Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is KJ Live with Chris Johnson. And Chris is having conversations with influencers in the sports world and entertainment industry. Now here's Chris Johnson. You're now tuned in to KJ Live. Today's guest on the show is a writer, producer, and social media influencer with over 180,000 followers and a half a billion impressions to his credit. He is the host of Buckets on Wave TV, and he has been recognized as the GOAT of Twitter by LeBron James. Please welcome King Josiah Johnson to the show. What's up, Big Joe? Hold on, I gotta correct you real quick. Uh, half a billion. I do. I do the half a billion in like March and April. So I'm, you know, we're putting these numbers up. We're gonna hit about two billion this year if, if wait, everything holds wait, the form. Two billion. Two billion. On the best, you're not a big deal. Nothing to brag or boast about. Just average, you know. God average, damn. Average twittering, but you know. Because this was so. The last time that I wrote your bio out, bro, in March when we did our show, you only had three fifty or something. It was something crazy. So yeah. you've done you've done that many since the show. Real quick, talk about just what it feels like 
to go viral. A lot of us has never gone viral. You go viral every day, probably six, seven times a day. What does it feel like, Joe? What is the, you know, what is the physical, you know, the moments? What does it feel like? I mean, you, it's like a drug, man. Obviously, you know, you know, we're in a, we're in a cannabis legal state. So it's like, you take that first hit of the fire and you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you, you, you know, you take the first few hits a couple, you know, when you first start smoking and you got the munchies and, but then after a while, then it's more just maintenance. Like after 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 you just get used to hitting the fire repeatedly, it just becomes more a maintenance thing. And now it doesn't really have the same allure that it used to. Now it's more like I feel like I need to do it, and you're kind of watching it, watching it happen in real time. And I know a lot of people like when they tweet, I'm always constantly refreshing just those first couple minutes, and I can generally tell now within the first 45 seconds, 60 seconds, if a tweet is going to go viral or not, just based on like kind of the immediate reaction on Twitter. But it's still always a great moment. It's always that pressure of the next one, you know? So now it's like, oh, if I got a viral tweet, I got to worry about what, what's the next one going to be. Because, you know, if, if I go days now in between putting up viral content, I'll start to get nervous, start to get jittery, start to get antsy. Like, damn, maybe I don't got it anymore. But for me, so I just have to constantly come back to the block, keep bringing the heat always. And, uh, you know, just keep these flares out. So you, you literally feel sort of a pressure when you uh, on Twitter or social media that because you have done so much, you've like scorched earth it so many times, you feel like you can't not do it no more. I mean, you, you don't want to hang him up. When are you going? Are you ever going to say, you know what? That's it. Y'all got it. I'm just, you know, I'm tired of doing this shit. It's too easy, son. Kind of like Hove. You know, when Hove got out the game, started doing other things, it was kind of like, yo, bar for bar. It's just like, what is it? Is there? Do you ever start to think of those things, Joe? I'm definitely feeling, I mean, I, the problem with me now is I see so many people, and it's funny, I was having a conversation with, uh, you know, somebody famous, I'm not going to say their name, but they're like, yeah, man, I see, I see, I see all these other accounts trying to be like you. And it's like, yeah, I see that too, but I don't see the bags coming with that. So it's like, you know, you're in this game, and but seriously, you're in this game in this world now. It's like, I know most of the people that work at these companies, and, right. you know, I know that they're getting told, oh, tweet like Josiah, but it's like, you can just hit Josiah and give him a bag and he can help you with your infrastructure, your strategy. But, you know, like we, like we've talked about before, it's, it's the thing I always say. If I was like a five foot seven white dude, nerdy, corny white dude, tweeting yeah. at the level that I'm tweeting at, people would have thrown millions of dollars at me, gave me my platform, really let me do whatever I wanted to do. But because I'm a six foot seven black man, former Hooper, they look at yeah. it. It's like, well, damn shit. Well, he can do it. I could do it, too. There's nothing. There, there can't be anything That's... special about him. He's just a big, dumb, dumb animal, former athlete. I really feel that because then, yeah. you know, then, but constantly like, oh, well, you know. There's nothing special about this. So I see people, and it's funny, man. I'll see random humans come at me. You fell off. You did this. You do that. And every time I see that, it's like, okay, fall off on this. Fall off yeah. on this motherfucking <laughs> another viral clip. Another LeBron quote tweet, minding my business. Fall off on that. You know, there's yeah. a lot of, like you said before, I can't I can't ease up on it now because I got so many people now who want me to fail. So anytime yeah. a tweet is not at the level that it needs to be at, it's a bunch of negativity and hate. And I see all that shit, man. I see everything that goes on on my social account. But I also, you know, I love the support and I love the people that rock with me. But, I, you know, it's like you could get 500 positive comments, 500 people. You can get a LeBron quote tweet, but I'm more fascinated by the three or four people who hate it or tell me I'm a cornball or whatever, whatever. But then I'll click on their profiles and see what they're about. And you just really see the pain and the jealousy and the frustration in their heart that they Man. can't really perform at a level. And this is, you know. <laughs> Not to compare myself to LeBron at all, but you see it. LeBron can put up a tweet about opening up a new school. Hey, I just donated a $5 million to charity. And immediately the comments, well, how come you didn't donate $6 million? How come you didn't open up two schools? You a fraud. You did this. You did that. Your rings don't count. Bubble. And it's like Man, you just see the hate and misery and bitterness. And the funny thing is a lot of people don't realize that these troll accounts, I'll literally stalk these troll accounts and I'll just hunt them. And I'll see the way they talk and the way they tweet and the way they move. And it's like, I know exactly who the fuck you are. 
I don't know exactly who you are. I don't know exactly why you're so frustrated because your boss is telling wow. you to do the so same exact so, shit. Oh, so you can't so do you're it. You're doxing it. Oh, so you're figuring no. out who people are. Yeah, I mean, when people talk reckless and crazy to me, Chris, you know, as, as a Johnson growing up in Los Angeles, we don't really allow that that kind of yeah. tomfoolery to go down. So anybody who's talking reckless or wild or out of pocket, definitely, you know, it's like, oh, shit, if this becomes an issue, I need to know who this is. This person thinks Absolutely. that they're, they're moving with the mask on, thinks they're moving in silence, but they're misspelling the same word the way that they do on their regular account. Whoa. They're, they're, they have the Whoa. same same sense cadence. On the burner that's account rough. that they have on the regular account. Dog, that's rough, dog. See, they, and it's see, like, they okay. don't have no stop. Because <laughs> I yo, live and breathe I, this shit. But, Joe, I'm glad. Look, what I am glad and proud about uh, the way you've handled a lot of this stuff. In the beginning, when you first jumped on here and you got active on Twitter, you used to, you know, address every single person and every single comment. And I used to just, I used to find myself scrolling through for hours, just watching, reading your comments, addressing every single person. And then, but at, you got to the point where you were like, yo, I'm going to let it go. Um, like, you know, I'm moving on. I'm, you seem like you started operating in a higher plane. And then fast forward to that moment, that night, that day, LeBron jumped on your joint. I mean, it was sort of like the culmination. I think if you would have kept your original course, you wouldn't have uh, opened up your total potential as a social media guy. You put your stuff to the side and then, man, it culminated with that LeBron tweet. And now he's ultimately quote tweeted you a few times after that. Talk about, though, that moment, because we have been LeBron fans for a while. We have been, you know, you had wrote a show basically based on his based. A character was like, you know, LeBron lover or whatever. Talk about the moment when LeBron finally uh, uh, hit you on Twitter. As you know, I, I was I was a little disappointed and almost to the point of disrespected that LeBron wasn't rocking with me, considering <laughs> how hard I mean, I've, been, I've been rocking. You know, since two thousand three, since Dog. he sat in the chair at UCLA, it's been a lot of LeBron, and there's been peaks and valleys. And obviously, I think about the, the the old days and the battles with the Kobe fans and the MJ fans, and you know LeBron joining the Lakers and kind of putting an end to all that type of shit. But for me, the the moment of validation, June tenth, twenty twenty one, obviously a, a moment that will live in infamy in the history of Josiah Absolutely. Johnson Twitter. Watching the watching the Nets game, minding my business, uh, you know, was was using the facilities. Were you, a a Were you taking a dump? Were you taking a dump? I was literally dump? I had a, got a pastrami sandwich from GMLs in Burbank. Anybody who's ever been there knows sandwiches are fire. I literally my eyes my eyes got bigger than my stomach, so I asked for a bunch of extra peppers and pickles and shit. Shit I would normally do outside okay. my eating comfort zone. So I'm sure. at the crib before the game, just firing up you know the the, the jalapeno and little green peppers onto the sandwich, eating it delicious. And then right around the fourth quarter, late in the fourth, stomach starts bubbling, run to the bathroom. So I'm using the facilities while it's happening. Got the door cracked. My wife is giving me the play-by-play. And she's like, yeah, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Wait, she's giving you play-by-play? Why are you taking through the door cracked? Because I'm, I'm not tuning while I'm going. You know, they're all conditions. Like, there's no excuse. Does she have a mask That's just fine. No, you know. <laughs> Again, you're in the Johnson family. You know that, whatever. There's, you know, there are things we're getting off. It started at dad, and it really trickled down. That you just have to become used to certain sense and, you know, whatever's going on. That's a part of this love in life. But, but she's giving me the play-by-play. Yeah, Bruce Brown, he, he missed a floater. I'm like, ooh, let me fire up this, uh, you know, this this Harlem Nice clip real quick. Put that up. I come back. That thing, and like I said, I know in the first minute, minute if a tweet's going to perform or not, that thing's hidden. Sure. It's going viral. It has like a couple hundred retweets in the first minute. I'm like, oh, okay, it's just about to go. Next thing I know, I'm scrolling, and I see uh, LeBron's, you know, Abby show up with the check mark. I'm like King James, so I click on it and literally, you know, he, he he's he's cracking up. We go back and forth. He ends up calling me the goat, and I think at that moment, and I knew like 
I love like ruining my haters' life. Like, I, there's nothing that makes me happier than when when my haters see some some great shit happening for me. I know how yeah. miserable they are. There's a lot of people yeah. I don't even know. That's the saddest, funniest part about it. A lot of people yeah. who literally, if they would have came and reached out to me and asked me for advice, asked me for help, you know, I'm always fucking willing and able to give my yep. time to people to help improve them if I see them actually trying to get to somewhere. But to just know at that moment, the level of hate, I knew right there, I told my wife, like, damn, this just opened Pandora's box. Because as you know, LeBron the GOAT, but people don't rock with him like that. So when LeBron fucks with things, they'll deliberately go out their way to hate. And I, deal, I dealt with a little hate, obviously going into the finals and a bunch of loser weenie kids talking shit. And my thing is, you know, Chris, what I've learned from you is like, if you're gonna say whatever, say it, but be ready for what what comes with that. If you gonna, don't be a bitch about it, have heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. if you're gonna talk reckless and crazy, put your name on it. And that's the thing I pride yeah. myself on. I know you do as well with my accounts. Like, we're not Absolutely. really hiding behind burners. If I got some shit I need to say to you, I'm gonna say it from my regular account, and we can do whatever. Because it's definitely we will cross paths. And whenever that situation happens, what you want to do? And I may win, I may lose, whatever. But it'll be whatever you want. <laughs> we can do whatever you would like. Man, it gets real out here in these Twitter streets, bruh. But again, Joe, the way you the way you did it, the way you've handled everything, man, including the trolls and the people that attack you on a daily basis, I commend you. It's another reason why I wanted to talk to you, especially about I, I noticed that you did a podcast recently about toxic masculinity in social media and how to use social media to uh combat that. Just sort of go talk a little bit about what that is and how you use social media to combat toxic masculinity. I mean, I think growing up in the worlds and the environments that we grew in, there was a, a ton of toxic masculinity. You think about going to places like Crenshaw or, or, you know, playing in Los Angeles, all the stuff that goes on as a kid, just a lot of bad habits and nasty things that were kind of ingrained on us, especially, you know, I use as an example, just my approach to women's basketball when I was younger, not really having that, that respect. And I look back at myself, and I look at these comments now from these idiots and these assholes who don't have anywhere near the skill or the talent level that these women have. And just the negativity that was always, you know, as, as male hoopers were always, oh, you know, nobody can be on our level. But now just the, the respect and admiration and the ability and the connection I've been able to make in that space. And obviously you're doing a ton of work, you know, in, in, in girls and women's, in women's sports just throughout your career. But obviously seeing that now and realizing that you can change the way your mentality and your perspective was, you know, back when we were playing at UCLA, it was kind of a negative connotation towards the women's squad or what was going on in the WNBA, where now it's like, no, I want to be embracing and be a resource, be an ally, and really use my platform as much as I can. I've connected with a ton of women in the WNBA, ton of women playing in college. Like, look, like you may not have the biggest following right now, but let me use my, my, my resource and what I've been able to do to help you and help promote your guys' brand, help be an advocate and an ally to the WNBA and other things. Because I think, you know, those are mentalities that are instilled on us. And we're seeing a lot of that even nowadays with like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka, and what's going on with the mental health component, you know, and back in our day, and I've seen both sides of it, but yeah, it was like, you, you weren't, you know, you, you were, you were told basically to put that aside and be tough. And, you know, right. all this stuff suck we're seeing now, the, you know, suck it up, uh, you, you know, whatever you, you're not, you, you weak or you soft or whatever. And it's like, nah, some of the toughest people I know have, have mental health issues. I have mental health stuff that I deal with too. And you can't be afraid now to open up about that and stuff and just, and just really communicate as men. We're always kind of taught to keep that shit to yourself. And, you know, but then, that burns inside of you and then it ends up, you know, coming out in, in ways that aren't really negative or, or, or you know, aren't, aren't really positive or ways that, that really help you improve as a human being. So at getting older now, pushing these 40s and just living life and honestly dealing with everything I dealt with from the social side, the troll side, you know, the people with the hate and the negativity and just, you know, wishing cancer on your family and I hope you die and all that other type of shit that I see on a pretty much daily basis really made me strong to the point where I don't, I'm not afraid to just be who I am, you know, talk about the things that interest me, support people that that deserve it and are really warranted to have that support. I think one of the biggest things 
uh, about stuff like toxic masculinity and 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 men and males in sports is it's, it's a generational thing. So, for instance, my generation, this toxic masculinity was something that was encouraged. It wasn't frowned upon. Exactly. You know, you, you laugh at it. You, you're the cool guy in the locker room if you talked about women in a disparaging way. You talked about your sexual conquests in a boasting sort of way. Just basically being a piece of shit was actually looked at as a positive. You saw it a exactly. lot in movies. You saw it in movies. You saw it in depictions of all type of characters that we look back. You know, look, for instance, Pepe Le Pew. Uh, you know, he's basically, you know, hugging on that chick and just pushing up on her. And she's just trying to get him off. But it was like, it was a cartoon back in the day. But like later on, they meet too, Pepe Le Pew. But all that to be said, Joe, when you have been in, something has been ingrained in you, in, in your culture, in your generation, it takes an undoing. So, mental health issues so toxic masculinity can be viewed as a mental health issue like you are on yeah, for sure. shit you're looking so so basically we that needs to be i think not enough is done to address and do the undoing part of things for folks like myself going you know pushing going to be in his 50s pretty soon here around the corner i haven't had you know and a lot of it is self-help a lot of it you got to identify the problem you got to go and say hey i need to talk to somebody about this and i need to get myself under control i wish there were more resources for men like like myself and yourself who played high level basketball on the college level to deal with stuff to help us transition into our adulthood. But again, a lot of it is on the individual. And I agree with that. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, look, it takes a lot to, to admit and acknowledge anybody. Nobody likes to admit when they're wrong. Like, look at Twitter debates and arguments. Nobody will ever be like, oh, I'm wrong. Or just like, damn. I mean, look at the shit going on with the pandemic now and people with their asinine point of views about vaccines and this, that and whatever. It's, it's at no point you want to be told, you know, we're in California. We just had a fucking recall election, wasted close to three hundred million dollars for what? For Gavin Newsom to do a better number than he did in you know, 2018. You know what I mean? So this is but this is the reality. And people, once they, they hold on to something, once they believe something, there's really nothing you're going to do to be able to change it. So like to your point, it takes a lot for any human being to look in the mirror and be like, look, I got to be a better person. I think somewhere along my journey, because, you know, I've been in those locker rooms as well. And that was, you know, that was a running gag and the joke. And I remember in college, a sports psychologist hit me up like, yo, if you ever need to talk, because I'm, I'm not talking to you. I'm not crazy. And that's what you think. But really, you need those person to talk to you to get it out. And, you know, just and that's what I have now with my family structure, people like yourself and, and Josh and Mo and the rest of our, our family, just to be able to talk to people, bounce ideas off of them. Like, am I tripping? And, you know, are they tripping? Whatever. And it's helped me a lot as a human being, because like I said, you bottle a lot of that stuff up. And it really displays itself in an extremely negative way when you unleash it. And as you know, being a Johnson, we can bottle some shit up. And then when it's time to unload, we will unleash and, you know, really, yeah, really just cool. be, be wild and reckless about it. But now I think getting older and obviously yourself, I look at you as a role model and example is, you know, it's, it takes a lot of step, it takes a lot of courage to be able to acknowledge these things and now move on and be better from them. And you don't have to be, you know, like like Fat Joe said, yesterday's price, not today's price. Yesterday's mentality doesn't need to be today's mentality either. You can move on. You can elevate. And, you know, we, we, on that panel I did on Toxic Masculinity, they were talking about cancel culture and all this and that. It's like all that shit is a figment of your imagination. I've seen human beings be canceled on Monday. By Wednesday, they're right back at it, do whatever they want to do. So that's all just kind of the shit that's social ingrained on people. And people need to be able to take the split reality from social. They're not the same thing. So they look at me. And you know me, like as, as this whole thing, I, I've risen this account up. I've tried to stay level-headed, not drink my own Kool-Aid, believe my own hype. People call me the king of that, the king of this. You've never missed and blah, blah, blah. It's like, motherfucker, you just never, I missed a ton. You just haven't seen it. I've, I've failed a shitload in life. But from those failures, I've been able to build and elevate to get to where I want to be. 
because you know, like Puff said, I'm not gonna stay down. You know, what I mean, I might be down right now, but I'm, a, I'm I ain't gonna stay down. Like yeah, whatever, nah. I'm, I'm gonna try to go get it. You know. Yep. Yep. No, nah, man. That's and and this is these are the type of conversations I think that we need as males. We need as men. We need to spend more time addressing because we have we have a lot of young impressionable youngsters basically listening to us that, that you know subscribe to your content listen to my stuff watch our videos watch our stuff so the messaging has to be one of hey you know you know that stuff ain't cool and, and i realized that and i wanted to ask you this do you think when you became a dad and fatherhood did that sort of change your mentality at all because i know when i had little girls and daughters i started to kind of look at things through a different lens did you yeah for sure with your I think kids that- and with your boys that I go back and look at the way I was before kids and the way I am now, and they definitely change. I mean, they with your patience, your whole mentality, how to approach things, and now just being responsible for another human's life and well-being, right? You know, when, when the baby first comes out, I, all my friends, my male friends who are about to have kids and shit, and it's like it's not really gonna, it's not really gonna change for you. You're gonna notice the hormonal changes in, in your in your wife or your girlfriend, or whoever. You're gonna see that, but once that baby comes out, then it's like you got to lock and load because now you're responsible for this child for the rest of his life. It's well-being, it's health. Now it became less about me. There were times, you know, pre-kids when I have a quitter mentality or just give up and not give a fuck, you know, woe is me type of, you know, just approach to life where it's like, I got to feed these children now. And that's the shit that drives and motivates me in everything I do now. Like I've got to, to your point, I'm not going to waste my time going at people who don't rock with me. You don't rock with me. I don't rock with tons of things. I don't, you don't see me talking about how much I hate this or hate that or damn, this sucked or that. I stopped worrying about other people's art, creativity, blessings, and all that other shit. And that's when my life got so much better because I know now I got to worry about these kids and I got to feed them and they don't want to hear no fucking excuses. They don't want to hear whatever reason I didn't do this or couldn't do that or couldn't couldn't provide for them. Like that's not on the table. So everything I do now is with that motivation. And that's where, you know, I get so spirited and passionate and fiery about a lot of this shit because, you know, like, you know, when you see people taking your whole style or taking your whole ism now, but trying to be buddies with you and, and, and buddy, it's like, motherfucker, this is money. You just took fucking food off my table. Like this is now my kids can't eat because you want to steal my shit and try to, you know, basically look at a style that I created and not really pay your dues and pay your tithes to, to the person that's responsible for it. So the shit really becomes frustrating, especially in the social world. And this is the thing I press upon a lot of people that look like us, black men and women that are trying to get in the game. It's like, like you already have a huge following. Like there's this, there's this kind of mystique about social where if you look at the highest level, it's a lot of white people in positions that they candidly don't earn. Like, you know, I'm looking at the social game. And if you're like, like if you had to pick between who, who you want to be a VP of your company or who you want to do this or that, the person with 183,000 followers that's shown that they can get it out the mud and go viral on their own, or the person with like 200 followers that frankly doesn't know shit, can't even build social on their own account. This is not, a, but this is not how the world works. So all these people get put in positions where they're head of this and VP of that and do this and do that. And it's like, for what? You haven't even, like, you're so social that you can't even build your own shit? Like, like you're so good at social that you don't even know how to take all the things that apparently are good enough for you to get these these cushy jobs and apply yeah. it to your own accounts? How does that make any, that's like me being a chef, but I'm, I'm only a chef when I can fucking do it at my five-star gourmet restaurant. When I'm at home in the kitchen, I can't even I make fucking a grilled cheese sandwich. I don't know how to, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to do this. But, oh, but, you know, like, give me all the resources and everything. So for me, like, yo, with having kids really just lit a fire under my ass. Like, I got to get my life together. Got to get my shit right. Because ultimately, they don't want to hear no excuses. And we have that sports background and mentality playing for people like Coach West. Like, I don't want to hear no fucking excuses. Get it done or, or, you know, or you failed. That's pretty much it. And that's how I move and shake now in this game. 
No, perspective is everything, man. And, and it, it's just, it's amazing to see how brothers change and develop and evolve. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, Roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. But let's get back to something that you're doing currently. A lot of people, well, so we just talked about your Twitter exploits. And, and for a lot of people, you know, just doing that would be something to hang their hat on. But man, you are also, you've created a, a show, an animated uh, comedy series for uh, Comedy Central, Legends of Chamberlain Heights. And then on October 29th, you're a writer producer on Colin, 
black and white, right? Colin black and black and, black and white. Excuse me, Colin in Black and White, which is a Netflix series produced, executive produced by Colin Kaepernick and Ava DuVernay. And you're on there as a writer producer. Man, that must have been an amazing experience. Talk about a little bit about working with Ava, Michael Starberry and, and those big time people in that writer's room. Well, first, off, I mean, shout out to Starberry for giving me the opportunity. You know, you know, the, the love that we as a family have for Starberry. But obviously, my, my favorite writer in the game and to see his trajectory has been so inspiring since meeting him the first, the first time in 2009 knowing how talented he was then and now seeing it all kind of coming to fruition, obviously with when they see us again, the Emmy nomination, they should have won, but that's neither here nor there. And then, you know, partner back up with Ava to do uh, this show, Colin in black and white. And obviously shout out to Ava fellow UCLA Bruin, you know, just, you know, queen. Like I can't, you know, you, it's always like you want to get people their flowers when they're alive. So anytime people ask me about Ava, I always try to make sure to do that because her giving me the opportunity, she did not have to do this. She didn't have to bring me along with this thing. And to let me be a part of something I feel like is really just going to be, uh, you know, historical in, in terms of what it's going to be able to do and accomplish was a tremendous experience. And obviously, Cap, the thing about Cap, man, I was rolling with Cap since 2016 when that first thing started. I remember, you know, I think he started his, his protest initially in August. He wasn't really trying to draw attention to it eventually through some some various factors, including Steve White over at NFL Network, who's another person I rock with heavy. You know, I got brought to light and then kind of you just saw his career just get dismantled and get blackballed and just blatantly just mistreated by the NFL. But I remember uh, 2016, I went to the Comedy Central Emmys party, which was in like early September, literally. And we're Raiders families. We're, we're a Raiders family. We're a Raiders household. But I'm, I'm out there rocking the cap jersey and the American flag pants just in solidarity and support them. I don't even know Colin at this point, but I kind of experienced similar situation where you just get fed up with the bullshit that's going on in the world, especially as black men and women and the way we're treated. But we know we're expected to be here for people's entertainment and then how dare us have to, you know, complain about anything going on in the world. And to see the way that Colin was basically just shit all over by mainstream media. Oh, he's disrespecting the troops. He's disrespecting the veterans. He's disrespecting the police. And to see how these things have played out in the last five years and how just a blatant amount of bullshit from those same exact people who disrespect the veterans, disrespect the military, really disrespect the police. You're talking about capital insurrection and literally trying to overthrow a government because you weren't happy that democracy didn't work in your favor. You know, you weren't happy that everybody was able to use their votes to vote on who they wanted to vote for. And to see that shit play out in real time and just hypocrisy and even situations now going on with like vaccinations in the NFL and guys, you know, holding this anti-vax stance. And, you know, I'm, I'm willing to die for this anti-vax stance, but not for a, a fellow, one of my, my brethren in the league who literally was blackballed, included against by NFL owners to not be allowed to do what he was very good at doing. And people kind of say, oh, well, he, he was trash. He was this, he was that. I mean, give me a fucking break. I've seen the, the number of starters and players that have gotten a look and gotten multiple looks since 2016. And you can't fucking tell me that Colin isn't one of the top 32 fucking quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not saying he's the best. I'm not saying he's the worst. But you can't tell me he doesn't deserve to be on a roster. So to be able to have Colin, you know, come in with us, sit in a room with us and just be able to see him, talk to him, ask him questions, ask him about all the misinformation and the bullshit going on. Hey, did you really even want to play this, that, and the third? And to see the way he responded to that and just even know we were actually with Colin. He came in the, it was like, I think November, like 2019-ish, October, November, 2019-ish. He came in and actually the day he came in, he found out about that workout in Atlanta. And just to see, you know, how, how happy he was, how excited he was to really go out there and show it. But even us in the in the writers' room, just knowing like, man, you know, this smells like some bullshit, dog. Like, like that you're doing a workout for all 32 teams. That doesn't really make any sense. I've never really seen that happen before. It just seemed really fishy. Then come to find out, obviously, the league had put a bunch of 
bullshit paperwork in the contract about, you know, yeah. him with the workers' comp shit, and now that he wouldn't be able to sue for collusion again. And it's just like, this is just a sad state of affairs, but this is what we deal with as black men and women in this country. And then, obviously, from that to see the George Floyd situation, the pandemic start, and just now people see it in their eyes. And, Chris, you and I both know, like, I saw a lot of bullshit, and I actually lost a lot of respect for people that I had respect for, just to see how they, they move during, you know, the, the George Floyd, you know, peaceful protests and how they moved with Jacob Blake. It was just a lot of fake fucking pandering and, you know, just, oh, I'm, I'm really, you know, we want to do more black projects, this and that. I was like, yeah, yeah, this shit will last a month. I don't fucking believe any any word of what you're saying. And me, it really, like, you know, I, I kind of lost my mental sanity for a while during that time point, the pandemic, just all the shit going on. But just to know how frustrating it is still when it was, oh, we're going we're gonna to do better. We're going to make an effort to really you know, diversify. And it's like, all right, we're tired of doing that. It's been a month. I'm fucking exhausted. Back to, we tried, we hired a couple of blacks. We just found some blacks on the street, gave them jobs. It didn't work out. Like lo and behold, shockingly. And, you know, we tried, so we're going to go back to whatever the status quo what, is. What, but, about, what, what about those that would say, Joe, to, to, your, to this point that, you know, the, before in our country, nobody, no companies was doing nothing like this. So maybe if it's a little bit better than nothing, I think you have to realize the motivations and intentions. Uh, I don't think companies were doing this because they cared about diversity and they cared about black people. They were doing it because, oh, when other people are doing this, they're getting a ton of likes on those posts. They're getting a ton of retweets. They're getting a ton of engagements. And we still sell to black people. So, you know, we need to pretend like we give a fuck. At the highest level, no, motherfuckers don't care about, about, about improving and advancing. I mean, I tell people candidly, look, I'm heavy in social media. Uh, NBA, NFL, 60 to 70% black. Do you feel like social media teams are in that 60 to 70% black range? You'd be lucky if you got 10% black people represented, you know, in a lot of these spaces. And, but this is how we're meant to look. Like, we're, we're not mentally capable to talk about the things that we know, but you constantly see a lot of these social platforms literally just stealing black culture, stealing black vernacular, and operating, honestly, in digital blackface, where, you know, their, their white employees will start talking about drip and swag and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, motherfucker, I know the fucking person you stole that shit from. I know the person you stole that from. I know when I see one of my, my black friends post a hot tweet, oh, this is going to end up on a major account with a couple of words changed around. I've seen it happen to me personally. And these are the people that get to dominate these spaces. The same thing with the leagues in terms of representation at the ownership level and at the executive level. It's like, you know, we've seen, I think we're one short of uh, the record for black coaches in the NBA going into this season. But why did it take so long to get to this point? You know what I mean? And why... You know, when black coaches are given these positions, they're not given the rope and the opportunities. You look at the NFL, like there's no shortage of white coaches who've been regurgitated, all types, you know, multiple head coaching jobs and proven that they don't have the goods. Or I look at a guy like Eric Bieniemy, and everybody, oh, well, Andy Reid calls the plays. And I look at fucking all Belichick's disciples, with Belichick not calling those plays, but those motherfuckers getting head coaching jobs out the ass. So it's always just this double standard of everything going on in the world where blacks are constantly aren't good enough. We should just be happy for whatever we're getting. And it's like, man, fuck you. We, 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 we make this circle. We are, we are the reason that all this stuff is able to exist. You know what I mean? You look, and I love the way that guys like LeBron and KD and Steph and these guys move now where it's like, fuck you. I'm going to control my own narrative. I don't need to, to rest on you guys. I can start my own media companies. I can do all the same shit you guys are doing and hire the same exact people you guys are hiring and do our own shit now. So I think, you know, we're seeing really a, it's like a, a great moment, especially for black Americans in this country, but we can't let that slip away. We can't, take the foot off the gas either. You know, we got to keep keep fighting for what we believe in and keep fighting for those opportunities. And that's like I told you before, it's like if I was putting up the numbers I'm putting up and I'm a five foot seven white dude, I'd be ordained as the greatest social media mind of this generation. Here's $10 million. Start whatever you want to start. Do whatever companies you want to do. 
fail as much as you want. Oh, you failed. Hey, here's a, here's a, we gave you a promotion for another bigger, better company. Shit that we see on the other side very, very frequently. But again, because I'm a six foot seven black dude that used to hoop, you know, I'm not respected. I'm just, I'm mean boy. Like, oh, he just makes memes. Like, nah, I do a little bit more than that. Memes, honestly, are about 10% of actually my workflow. Do a lot more than that and, and try to be, you know, growing up in the Johnson household, we had a premium was put on education from, from, you know, dad all the way down like you you got to be smart in this house or you're not going to be respected we're watching jeopardy going hard at each other you know what i'm saying we're, we're, not, really fucking, we're not fucking with wheel of fortune as much that's not really a thinking man's game that's not as complicated as rapid fire q a it's like oh when anybody can figure a, a word puzzle out when they get to guess a letter we're, we're going hard on this shit reading almanacs reading all types of shit just gaining knowledge Absolutely. trying to you know be educated being in honors classes ap classes just performing at the highest level but yep. for some reason, it's like, oh, well, you play basketball, so you're not intelligent. It's like, no, nah, motherfucker, I did that, and I can give you buckets on and off the court. Final thing about Cap, um, what do you, what did you learn about the man, Colin Kaepernick, that you didn't know before? I think seeing Cap, and you know, I'd done some research on Cap leading up to it, and obviously when Starberry told me I was working on the gig, I felt so indebted to him. I put like a, a whole huge research packet together, did as much of a deep dive as I could just to find out about his life. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't realize they see Cap now, and it's kind of like, well, you grew up with, with two white parents in a in a suburb. What do you have to complain about? And that's kind of even from the black community you see a lot. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I yeah. think looking at Cap is like you know what the show really highlighting his high school experience that a lot of these seeds were planted early on, and you had a kid that you know struggled with his identity growing up in an all white family, growing up in Central California, which anybody who knows anything about Cali, you know Central Cali is the red area, right? Like you know Colin saying he. He lived five minutes away from the Grand Wizard of the Klan, like knowing these type of things. But, you know, knowing that because he was great with, with his athletic exploits, that people look, look past all that type of stuff. But Colin, at a very early age, had a thirst and a knowledge to want to learn about his culture, his blackness, and really discover who he really was, which is situations that were beyond his control, obviously being adopted into a white family. Okay, and okay. Not, not having access to these type of situations. But as you start to read, you start to learn, knowing that, damn, I'm different. Like, you know, I got a white brother and sister and, and, and two white parents. And they treat me like a son and they love me like I'm family. But when we go to places, I'm getting stared at and getting sneered and getting, you know, the, the, the racial comments. And again, growing up in Central Cali, it's not the same as growing up in Los Angeles. You know, don't, don't let the fucking election place. fool you. You start making that drive to go up to the Bay or whatever. Yeah, I've been up there. Cali, you know, you pull over in the gas station sometimes. I've been like, up ooh, there. Ooh. You just be like, <laughs> damn, dog. Like, what the <laughs> hell? This is not, this is not California, but. So for him, it just you know his experience in high school, and what a lot of people don't realize about Cap is that he was kind of always the underdog. He only had one college scholarship offer coming out of co uh, high school, yeah. and you know, at one quarterback offer, and that came literally as a result of a basketball game. Like he, he he balled out. Like Nevada, I think Nevada coaches came to check him out. He had been in their camp or whatever. They he was on their radar, but they saw him play basically in a basketball game, was like, look, even if you don't work out as quarterback, we can get this guy in another position. Like, he's a fucking just talented-ass athlete. And Colin, to his credit, I'm a quarterback. I want to play quarterback. So if you knew how much he, he loved the position, how much he sacrificed to be a quarterback, and then when he got that opportunity in the NFL, lead him to the highest level. And it's like, you know, people will shit on cap, and you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, who was in a similar situation, led the Niners to the Super Bowl, then you have a shitty year, and it's, oh, well, you know, the team wasn't good. Like, cap dealt with those same exact shit. You know, when you look at the Chip Kelly years with the Niners, people people act like they had a Super Bowl-level squad every year and he just wasn't performing as a quarterback. It's like, no, look at some of those teams he was dealing with, injuries he was battling. There, there was a reason he had a slump, which we've seen from 
pretty much any quarterback you can think of, right? You know, I'm looking at the Manning broadcast on, uh, you know, Monday Night Football. Like, their careers just weren't perfect all the way through. Peyton had some downtime. I'm not comparing Colin, Colin and Peyton or Colin and Eli, but just to say that guys go through down periods, and it's not like we just throw them, throw them to the side. Like, we allow them to come back, give them the resource they need, and now when you get that squad that can perform well, it's not always just on, you know, the quarterback. But they'll look at the win-loss record, those type of things and not acknowledge, oh, the line wasn't as good as it needed to be. The receiving core wasn't as good as it needed to be. Well, 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 well I, sorry to cut you off, but, Joe, I see it all the time. That, and no offense against Josh Rosen, but I've seen people make this excuse for Josh Rosen like every single stop of every year of his career. Well, his offensive line wasn't good. And look at his defense and give him a chance. All he needs is reps. But then you see the black quarterbacks typically – you know, your boy Dwayne um, Haskins in Washington. Remember him? Remember how they yep. got, they severed ties with him after just nothing? But I've noticed that trend. And so for me, it's like I thought it's supposed to be about who can play the position. Um, and it seems like the, the black quarterbacks are evaluated differently than white quarterbacks. I remember you did that piece. You produced that piece at the NFL Network a long time ago when you were talking about guys like, uh, Mar- was it Myron Briscoe, Marlon Briscoe? Marlon Briscoe, the legend, yeah. the magician. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you, you look at, I mean, you know, and that's the whole thing too. You look at the NFL, right? Uh, from like 1934 to 1946, there were no black quarterbacks in the NFL, let alone black players. You know, gentlemen's agreement, no blacks allowed. Look at the SEC where schools into the 70s, even early 80s, weren't fucking with, with black people at all. And then now come and revolutionize the position. You think about people like James Shaq Harris and Marlon Briscoe, who you mentioned, and just, you know, Willie Thrower and guys that, didn't get those opportunities. You know, you look at Marlon's story. Marlon fucking was, you know, I think she could have been rookie of the year or like finished second, whatever, came in. But literally the, the amount of variables it took for him to get, get into the Broncos lineup as a quarterback, then he gets <laughs> out there and dazzles and literally never plays quarterback again after that. You know, but just this is the world that, that goes on for, for black quarterbacks in general. So to see the way Colin is like, oh, you ungrateful, you're uppity, you know, you're uppity inward because you now want to bring attention. Oh, you're That's just doing crazy. it because you're not playing. Like, whatever the fucking factors and variables are. We talk about Magic Johnson all the time, who we revere in our household. I'm fairly confident if Magic didn't get HIV, he wouldn't have been such a big advocate for HIV in the AIDS initiative. You know, you look at Michael Vick and the dogfighting. You can think whatever you want about Michael Vick. But if Michael Vick hadn't went through that situation, his life and perspective wouldn't have changed for now him to become an advocate and go out of his way to use his time and celebrity, his influence, to bring attention to situations that go on there with, with animal mistreatment and things like that. So whatever the factors or variables, I'm a type of human being, whatever that, that shit doesn't, is irrelevant. It's, it's a matter of what, what you accomplish and what you're trying to do and use that platform for. And I think what we saw and what Colin helped really engineer and bring light to and bring attention to is a lot of the bullshit that goes on in the world. Again, a lot of the people that were saying he's anti this and anti that proved themselves to be the exact same thing that they were accusing him of Mm-hmm. When shit didn't go their way. I had to yeah. listen to fucking people like Tommy Lahren say that the Capitol insurrection was just a bad day. It's like, you guys try to overthrow the fucking government. They moved the Chris, I was back in New Jersey with my mom recently. We went and saw uh, Bonnie Watson Coleman, who's a congresswoman. And she's telling us what that experience was like she being was stuck there? in the Capitol. She, was, she was in the fucking Capitol. What that experience was, she, was, she, was like. Was she, was she scared for her life? Did you get a sense that she was scared for her life the way she was telling the story? She she was somewhere else, and she was basically like, "Let's go to the Capitol; it'll be safer there." Kind of, they had gotten wind of what was going on, so she went actually went to the Capitol. But to have to sit there and be in fear of people who were mad because democracy didn't work in their favor, and these are the same people that say this is not a big deal and that's not a big deal, and why are we doing this and why do we need vaccines and uh, uh I'm going to take this fucking horse tranquilizer or whatever. It's just such an asinine perspective in the world, and this is what I always try to explain. It's like it does. You can't think about shit rationally. 
you can't think about what's right or wrong because people, even when they're presented with the option for right or wrong, people knew slavery was wrong. People knew segregation was wrong. People knew the civil rights era and all the shit was going on, fucking water hosing fucking black people just for, for wanting to sit on a bus equally that, you know, but they don't give a fuck and they never will. So you can't really worry about them. The only thing you can do is defeat them. The only way you defeat them is by being successful, getting your bags right, really fortifying your crew and having enough resources at your disposal to be able to combat all the negativity and bullshit going out in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Man, you, you sound We veered good. a little bit, but it's all gravy. Nah, nah, but it's good stuff, man. Sometimes it's, these are these are the topics that conversations bring up and bring out of a person, especially someone like yourself that's very passionate. And when you hear that, when you hear the passion, you, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to seeing this Kaepernick project, because if you bring this type of passion to writing Josiah, this is the type of shit that, you know, makes for just unbelievable genius work level because you care. And so that's what matters. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Man, this other thing that you're doing, bro, you was back in New Jersey or you was back east with your mom, but you did the pro lacrosse situation. Premier, Premier Lacrosse League. Premier Lacrosse League. Talk about how you got involved with the Premier Lacrosse League and what's up with lacrosse? I mean, I, I heard, I, you know, I d- dealt a little bit with it, but I have no idea what that sport's about. Well, you know, shout out to the legend, uh, the legend Trevor Trout, uh, you know, USC legend. But, uh, you know, he connected me with, with the league. You know, they were interested in doing some stuff. They were out in San Jose for their all-star game back in like mid-July. So I reached out, man. Honestly, I'm, and I told them the same things. Like, we just didn't have lacrosse out here. But, you know, I mean, if we did, motherfucker might have fucked around. You know, you might have seen the Johnson <laughs> contingent really doing work. You know, you talk about Jim Brown and arguably the greatest lacrosse player ever. And just, you know, lacrosse is on some other shit, man. I didn't really know a ton about the league initially. But anything I, I get involved with, I do a ton of research, took a deep dive. So shout out to the Rabel brothers, Mike and Paul. Paul, who just actually recently retired, you know, after I think uh, with like a 14-year career pro. But so basically these guys are playing in another league bread the situation wasn't that good the rabel brothers were like fuck this we can improve it started the premier lacrosse league brought a lot of the high level talent it's, it's a different league and unique in the fact that these guys now get equity in the league and they have a vested interest in the league success and they're basically barnstorm so they've got eight teams but the teams have no city affiliation they all travel together across the country week to week playing in different cities so just even that perspective kind of like the big three in terms of how it's structured like that but getting all the best high-level lacrosse players and meeting guys like Miles Jones and, and Jules Henningberg and fucking uh, Ramar Dennis and just, like, guys that are a part of the league that, you know, you see these, like, six foot three, six foot four, like, big buff. Like, you see Miles Jones in real life. You're like, I'm talking to Miles, and he's like, yeah, man. Like, I, I played AU with Tobias Harrison back in the day. I'm like, I know you did, bro. You're out here. You could be a linebacker. You could be anything you want to be. But to see them out there getting their <laughs> And that's what I was going to ask you just about the body builds. Like, what athletes would you compare lacrosse players to? Like, what positional? Like, point guard, like NBA point guards? or I mean, you, know, you see everything. Okay. You see guys build like fullbacks. You see dudes that could literally be like, you know, middle linebackers in the NFL. Guys that are on the shorter side. Kind of like baseball, hockey, kind of different. Like, you're going to get a hodgepodge of guys depending on their position. Like, they got this one legend who came up with the Thick Boy Summer. You know, he's built like literally straight fullback, but out on the field, like, you know, it's such a, so they, you know, so they can unique. move. They, they got jukes and they can move and like speed, quickness, agility, side to side. That's what matters, Joe. All that. But they're also like they can pound each other with the sticks as defenders to try and knock the ball out of somebody's hand. So they'll be whacking oh. the shit out of each other. To oh. the point where it's like, damn, bro, somebody whack me like that. I'm going to have to put the <laughs> stick down and square up. Because they be going at these dudes, and you know they're they're wearing they're wearing protection and everything, but just being able to connect the sport. Shout out to the legend RJ too, RJ Kamenitsky over at uh you know Premier Lacrosse League. To me, it reminds me so much of what uh, the NFL was doing back in the early days with the NFL films. And if people look at the success of the NFL, 
you got to look at the Sables, Steve and Ed, and what they were able to do in making those games feel larger than life. Like when I was at NFL and NFL Network, I'd always say NFL could take a game that was 0-0 and make it look like the greatest game ever played just with the camera angles, the great voiceover, the God shots. And the Premier Lacrosse League is really embodying a lot of that. They've got a, like a, just an amazing crew of social media people and people on the, the video production side that, that really go out there and just honestly every game you've got. So every team has like one to two people on the social video side. So you figure you put them all together. That's not 16 people you got at every single game that yeah. are just there that love the sport, really building up a strong community. So I did the All-Star game with them. I'm like, yeah, man, I want to fuck with you. I want to come, you know, like I'll come out to Philly for the semis and check y'all out there. So got to go and actually see real games being played. All-Star game was obviously kind of, you know, dudes were having fun and, you know, just fucking around. But to see them in, in a high-level game, high-level competition, like these dudes really go at each other. And, I, you know, the, the league is awesome. They let me get – field level, let me get in the huddles, like shit that we would never be able to get off on in any other sport. But just to see the, the intensity, the fire, and also just, you know, the, the, the amount of black players in the league and the Black Lacrosse Alliance and what they're trying to do to strengthen well, and broaden the game. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a heavy contingent. That was the one thing I do with any sports that I, that I deal with. It's like I need to know what, what your, your black representation looks like, and those are the people that I would love to elevate and amplify in addition to other people in the league. But those are the people I resonate with the most, so – you know, let me sit down with them. So I got to sit down with Miles and Jules and Romar uh, in San Jose and just talk to these guys. And it's just like, damn, these dudes are fucking legends. Like, just cool-ass dudes. Everybody in the league is cool. And really embracing of all cultures. So I really appreciate the Rabel brothers for letting me even get the opportunity to go out there and be a part of it. I hit up Paul. Paul retired yesterday. Hit him with the DM. Just like, you know, appreciate the opportunity. He, he responded right back. Like, you know, just thank you and everything you do. And I know he's launching an initiative now to get, you know, lacrosse goals in, in underserved communities across the country. And really, you know, I think the sport is burgeoning. I think it really has the potential to be the next big American sport because it has all the it's fast paced, high scoring, has, you know, the big hits. It has the nice juice and nice moves. It's basically, you know, it's like hockey on, 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 a, on a grass soccer field. But these dudes yeah, it, are committed to the sport. They love it. And, you know, for me just to be a part of it, I'm super appreciative. Yeah, I'd love to see some, you know, inner city partnerships or initiatives with kids in the inner city to make, you know, equipment more affordable. I would think one of the big challenges with a sport like lacrosse, which is, you know, reputation to be an East Coast based kind of preppy, you know, high exactly. Ivy League sport. If we can get some affordable gloves and the helmet and all that and all that, you know, I think that that's that's 90 percent of it. You know, it's just getting the, enough equipment for all these kids, dog. You know how that go. You know, the equipment is, is if half you get some across in the hood. I promise you in the next five to 10 years, because also just to ship from football, it's not it's not as dangerous as a sport. We talk about the CT and all that other type of shit, but has a lot of the same principles in it. With guys trying to shake each other and shake defenders and get buckets on, you know, score goals. There's there's a potential that I feel like you know it's another sport that we can just take over and dominate if given Absolutely. given the right access. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with your experience, and I wanted to touch on this because you, you have experience at the NFL Network. You're pretty experienced in the league. Um, I read somewhere where the NFL had this like racial norming thing that they were doing when taking into account uh, former players CTE concussions. Do you are you aware of that? That, that what's going on with that situation? What is your thoughts on how the NFL operates from a business perspective like that? Well, you know, I'm never one to fuck up my bags. And obviously, I got a lot of a lot of great friends at the NFL and NFL Network. And I worked there for the better part of 10 years. But to see the type of situations that go on, it's extremely frustrating. I think they initially dropped that one up, like that article, like Super Bowl week, but buried it. You know, you know, nobody really fucking heard about it. Then it resurfaced a few months later 
when they're talking about how blatantly discriminatory they were. So not only do you acknowledge that you have CTE and how fucked up a situation is that you set aside a fund for guys to get the help they need. And Chris, I'll just tell you real quick a story. So I was working in NFL, it's probably like 2007, 2008, there was a Super Bowl in Miami, whatever year that was. So, you know, like the NFL, the NFL network was always a hierarchy. So obviously the upper level execs and like the, the premium talent, they were stayed in South Beach. We stayed across the bridge, like right near the airport. Uh, and I'll never forget this. You got the glitz and glamour of South Beach, all these Super Bowl parties, just all the amazing shit going on. We're literally staying in like a Marriott you know, right near the airport. And all the former guys have, have whatever, like the TGI version, Friday's version of the restaurant is in the restaurant hotel. All these former guys come through, like fucking Earl Campbell, Dick Buckets, like just all these. And these dudes are struggling to walk and fucking it. I'm, I'm going over here. I'm just getting like got some food to go real quick and kind of stumbled on like the former player reunion. And just to see the way those guys were treated, the guys that literally laid the foundation for guys to get these multi-million dollar contracts, shit broke my heart, man. I remember just looking at that shit. And I was probably like 23, 24 at the time, not really understanding what was going on. But now as I take a look back on it, so to see the way the league is treating players that literally sacrifice so much, players that grew up in this toxic masculinity culture where, you know, that's not a concussion. Your head just hurts. Rub some ice on it. Go back out there and fucking get us the win. That's the only thing that matters. Hey, entertain these fans. That's the only thing that matters. So to see these guys now getting mistreated like that, I think the the, the thing was like they treated black players' mental capacity at a lower level than, than white players, and that was a part of the initial baseline test going in. And to see this type of shit happen, the league acknowledged, like, oh, yeah, we fucked up. And believe me, nobody's perfect, but to see the way that the players are treated, and that's not even in the NFL, like across sports, it's like these guys laid the foundation. I think that's even indicative of us as society. We don't take care of our old. We kind of just cast them aside. And that's something, not to bring it back to the, this Rona pandemic, uh, the coronavirus pandemic, but something that's been so blatantly, like, pissed me off is, like, our old people are at risk. They're, they're, the, they're the target, you know, 65 and older, and we don't even have enough love and respect for them to just fucking wear a mask and do simple shit. Like, we'd rather go out of our way, hey, you're old, just stay your ass at home, instead of, you know, just caring about our common man. So when I saw this shit go on with the NFL, man, honestly, it was extremely disappointing. Like I said, I got a ton of friends there, a ton of people that I rock with and respect. But there comes a point when, when this bullshit needs to get exposed. And it, even stuff as simple as Colin being blackballed for five seasons, you're telling me he's not good enough to be on a roster with all the other shit going on. We've seen guys fucking literally murderers and fucking all type, you know, talk about Aaron Hernandez and shit going on. All that's good to go because, hey, they can perform. We've seen Antonio Brown and a lot of stuff he's done. Well, hey, he's good, so who cares? But it's like, what did Colin actually do? Like, I mean, should he been out there punching women? Like, would you like him more if he was rolling around with like a stockpile of guns, like, you know, threatening people? Would you prefer him to get a DUI and hit somebody and kill? I mean, it's just like, what, what, what are you ultimately mad at? That this black man who was successful wanted to use his platform to raise awareness and attention yeah. to the fucking shit going on? That's what you're, that's what, you, that was like, oh, we can't have him in this league. But come well, on. Yeah, anytime, anytime you speak out against law enforcement, military, I feel like as an athlete in this country, you're going to, wade in some controversial waters. You've seen it throughout our history. Muhammad Ali is a great example of how, you know, he speaks out against the war against Vietnam. You know, ain't no Viet Cong ever called me the N-word, refused to go. And now he's ostracized by mainstream America. It's so funny to see Muhammad Ali's, just how people talked about him close to his death and he was revered. But if you, you know, a lot of people that were around back then remember what time it was. I got a feeling that same thing's going to happen with a Colin Kaepernick. But I do think it's it's one of those things, shut up and dribble. Athletes are to be seen and to perform and not heard. I really think it has to do with that, my guy. But um, the, the crazy part about it, just quickly, 
is that everything was always he's anti he's anti military he's anti veterans. Literally, Nate Boyer, exactly. Green Beret, is the one who told Colin to do this peaceful protest. And that's and this is like when you look at the history, and it's like just look at the simple facts. A white Green Beret, white former Green Beret, told Colin this would this would be an appropriate way to to voice your grievance in your protest. And now that got spun to, you don't care about the veterans. Like, Chris, I live in Los Angeles. I was driving down San Vicente the other day near the VA. What are we talking about? We don't care about fucking veterans. You see how many homeless encampments there are across this city of former veterans who are just spit out and shit on by this country. But now, because Colin Kaepernick and Cap put up like a million dollars to various charitable endeavors when this first happened. And, and it was like, oh, well, that's not enough. It's like, motherfucker, you don't put up money for shit. And you're trying to tell me a million dollars? Anybody putting up a million for anything. Oh, well, he makes X amount. And that's this is the shit. And I see it happen with LeBron. I see it happen with Steph. I see it happen with so many guys when they try to use their platform. It's basically shut up, nigger, entertainment. I don't want to hear what you have to say about anything other than put that basketball in the basket, throw that football, help me win my fantasy league. Like, I don't give a fuck about your personal opinions about anything. And that shit is honestly, to me, as I've gotten older, it's like, this is embarrassing, dog. Like, this is, you know what I mean? I see it the same thing in, in the business side, in, in the corporate culture. Where, oh, you know, we just can't find talented black people. Like, are you looking? And where are you looking? Because I can rattle off 30 to 40 to 50 talented black people right now who could easily come in and smash other people's jobs. But they don't want to change. Like, they'd rather just put up the black square on Instagram, do something special during fucking Black History Month. Ooh, hey, half off on hot sauce, whatever, you know what I mean? That, that's how they want to operate. So, you know, the game is the game. Joe, when I when I listen to you talk, man, I one thing I want I wanted to ask you is like, <laughs> who do you envision playing the role of Josiah Johnson in your life story if you had a chance? Like, who who would be the perfect actor to play Joe at this throughout uh, in, in in the movie about you? I mean, if Brian Gumble or Greg Gumble has any children, no. that'd probably be no. the one. <laughs> The most ideal option. Um, I'm trying to think because you know, I mean, I was, I was, I was plumping my younger life, so really, it's got to be somebody who could, who could throw around weight. Like you know, we can, yeah. we can fuck around uh, over Thanksgiving and put on 15 pounds, and then over the course of the next three months, drop 50. You know, you know, that, that's how we kind of get down. So it's somebody who, who could be really nimble on that side. But uh, shit, I don't know. That's funny. Yeah, maybe Brian Gumble. I'm trying to think. Uh, okay. Uh, Kennedy Meeks, maybe I, I forget. Uh, I could always hear me with fucking, he would just send me photos of people that look like me. <laughs> I know, I saw somebody at a, uh, Jordy had a volleyball practice over at Marymount. There was a guy there. I don't, I, he looked just, he reminded me of you so much. I took pictures of him. I'll send him to you. But this is like a couple of years ago, but I do it too. Like, I'll see a guy that reminds me of you, and I'll like snap a shot because I know later on I'm going to show you because yeah, it's so sure. funny. Man, um, Oh, man, this conversation has been riveting, man. I want to talk about, though, uh, kind of, you know, as we close it up, uh, your experiences or memorable stories, interactions with uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant. Uh, so, you know, obviously, and this is shit I, I look back on and, and really, really regret. And, and it, it drives me just to be a better human being every day. But coming up, being a LeBron fan, we used to really go at Kobe fans. Like it was, you know, yeah. there was nasty shit spewed on both sides. A lot of hate, a lot of bitter yeah. all. And to know how much these two dudes love each other, rock with each other. You know, every year on Kobe's birthday, I post a clip of LeBron singing Kobe happy birthday, just as a reminder that these dudes really, really fuck with each other heavy and really elevated the game. And 
I'm so thankful that, you know, when LeBron decided to come to the Lakers in 2018, that was a, you know, a seminal moment for all of us. Let's put our egos, put our differences aside. LeBron's on the Lakers now. We're, we're rocking. Like any, you know, I, I tweeted about this a few times, but any Kobe slander, any negativity, anything I've done in the past, yeah. that's just all done. Like nothing but respect for Kobe, his family, this Lakers organization. And it's funny, man, when LeBron first came, everybody was like, you know, you had a lot of Laker fans that have supported the move, but a lot of them were like, oh, I man, he just want to be an actor. He's he going to fucking disrespect the purple and go. He don't really want to be here. He don't care about this. He don't care about that. Fast forward to the year our Lord, uh, 2020, October, in the bubble. LeBron, you know, helps lead the Lakers to a championship, gets that finals MVP, obviously after Kobe had passed away in January. And even that that moment, to know that, you know, hours before Kobe passed, he's literally on the phone with LeBron and some of the guys on the plane congratulating LeBron for passing him, you know, on the all-time scoring list. And literally Kobe's last tweet is a salute to LeBron. I mean, that's just, for me, you know, I still cry about that shit to this day. And just think about how can I be a better person? How can I not get caught up in any of this bullshit? And even with like, you know, I'll joke around with the MJ debates and things like that just to piss off Jordan fans. I know they're older and they can take it. But you know, when you look at these guys and their contribution to the game, Kobe, LeBron, and how much they just loved each other, and revered each other, it really helped me to become a better person, man. I think about Kobe pretty often. And for me, the highlight of just, you know, seeing Kobe, and this is funny, I was a Kobe hater at this point, but back in 2011, Drew League, you know, during the lockout, get a call from our dad, Marcus Johnson. Dad hits me like, yo, come through the Drew League. This is probably like 10 a.m., whatever. Come through the Drew League today. You know, Kobe's supposed to come through. And I'm being an asshole. I'm like, dad, I don't really give a fuck. Like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a cool, sweet guy. Like, oh, I'm a LeBron fan. I ain't going. It's funny. So I, hear my, I hear my buddy Marcus Miles. Literally, Marcus spells his name the same way as dad. He was named after dad. Know. You know, the legend. Hit up Marcus. Like, yo, man, can you go shoot this Kobe game? He's like, no, nah, man, I can't do it. I'm like, fuck it, I'll fine, I'll go up there. But go up there and just the energy, the atmosphere. They were playing at Washington Park still at that point. You know, James Harden was there, DeMar DeRozan, just the, the young crew of guys, Marcus Banks, other dudes, Ed Davis, I believe, was out there as well, that that came out, everybody pulled up to get this moment to go at Kobe. And anybody who's been to the Drew League, especially in those Washington Park days, this is not like a traditional game. You got all types of fans, fans on the court. You had dudes holding babies, talking shit, you know. I'm interviewing people for the game. Like, y'all excited to see Kobe? Like, nah, we're here to see Casper Ware. And Casper Ware, who played at Long Beach State, I believe was the MVP of the league that year, a bucket getter. But they have their hometown heroes. They're like, we ain't fucking tripping on Kobe. Kobe pulls up, though. Whole gym, fanboys, just, ah, you know, just, just to see him yeah, in real life. Of course. Again, I'm moving freely with the camera to the point, like, the sheriffs come over and be like, yo, you got to give Kobe a little space because I'm all in the grills getting the angles. You know, I'm really going to get them angles and get them get that good B-roll. Yeah. But to see Kobe go out there, James Harden was young at this point, but Harden going at Kobe, they're just going back and forth. And the thing I'll never forget about that game, you know, Kobe came out, he knew he knew what it was. Because Kobe had played at the Rucker before he played at other spots. He knew what he had to do. His squad's down like eight points with like two minutes to go. It's like, it's, it's, there's no way, especially the style and the way that they're playing. Like the game has evolved at that point late in the fourth quarter to just kind of an all-star game. DeMar doing 360s with that, you know, guys just fucking around. Cops come over to Kobe like, Kobe, we want to get you out now. You know, the crowd's going to be a circus. You know, let's get you to the car. We can get you out. Kobe looks at the scoreboard like, what? The game ain't over. Like, literally, like, you know, he's about to slap the shit out of police officers just for ha- having having the goal. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And I think that little fire, the little fire yeah. in Kobe's ass like, what? Like, you think I'm about to lose this shit? So Kobe obviously engineers the comeback. 
he gets the ball in the final possession going at hard, and I'm just sitting there. I'm sweating at this point because, like, you know what's going to happen. You know, and I'm just thinking about the historical perspective of it, just this moment, and to actually be here in this gym in Southern California on this day just to witness this fucking, you know, moment in basketball lore and history. Kobe knocks down the fucking game winner. Whole crowd goes nuts. And then after that moment, this is like 2012, so I've got the uh, the Panasonic camera, and I've got to transfer the footage over, but I'm missing a chord. Because I'm like, I'm just going to shoot this shit. I'll, I'll, I'll edit it at another point. I'm missing a chord. After that point, I'm fucking frantically calling all the homies. Like, who can I go pull up to? So I call my buddy Nolan Martin, who actually worked at KTLA in the newsroom at that point. Drove my ass over to KTLA in Hollywood. Was able to transfer the footage over, get the clip out. And kind of the rest is history in terms of the Drew League. The next week, I think they went and played against the good men in D.C. And kind of just spawned that. But, you know, we grew up in L.A. And this time I always have to tell people, like, the Drew... The Drew is um hold on a second. Okay. Like the, the Drew at that point, you know, wasn't the league that people know of now. Like, you know, the Joe Weekly League was the, the premier league back in the day for all the pros and guys to play. Obviously, Joe Weekly tragically passes away. And, you know, the Drew's kind of the last league standing at that point, in addition to the real run, which obviously had one of the greatest moments in, in, in you know in the history of basketball what they were getting off back in the day. Shout out to DeAnthony. But yep. now the Drew has basically transformed to the premier basketball league. Everybody from all over the country, all over the world, tries to come out here and get it. So just to see the way Dino and that crew has been able to elevate that league and obviously stepped up into the moment because a lot of people wouldn't have been able to handle that. And the league has just continued to grow. And shout out to Nate Jones and Cam and a lot of crew working on the digital side behind the scenes, all the people at Nike, to really elevate and grow this league and do something just tremendous for the, the community. But really, LeBron came that summer. KD came that summer. But Kobe coming that summer put the Drew League on the map and put it on a trajectory now where it's still the premier league in, in the summertime. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, 
Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Yeah, I'll tell you, man, when, you, when we talk about Kobe, man, it's fascinating when I talk to everyone and I ask them this question. I've asked, you know, 50, 60 people over the last five months, just their feelings and thoughts on Kobe. And overwhelmingly, the sentiment has been um, a lot about a lot of stories that you didn't hear, a lot of things that you don't see, a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. Mark Spears talked to me yesterday about how Kobe was congratulating Mark on his new position when he started joining Undefeated, but it was on Kobe's jersey retirement night. And Kobe had the, you know, the awareness to be like, Mark, congratulations on your new gig, you know, in the tunnel. And Mark's like, man, where you, you know, you get two jerseys in the rafters and this dude is congratulating me. But Monty Jones talked about how at the charity game that they played uh, after Katrina, and I don't know if you remember that, but it was on TNT. It was like Bomani's first gig, but Kobe just made life for him very easy. Uh, on the interview, Ronnie was intimidated. He was a little nervous and this and that. Do you have, like, did you, were you, I'm trying to remember, because I know we have basketball stuff with Kobe, but did you have any other kind of personal interactions with Kobe that we haven't talked about before that I don't know about? I mean, other than that, the only thing I can think of, to your point, is how gracious and humble he was after that game. Everybody in the locker room, again, it's the Drew League, so, you know, traditional Things like that. And I know I won't give a fuck. Kobe, give me this. Let me take a pic. Come do this. But dad, wanted to, <laughs> dad wanted to grab a picture with him. So Kobe, you know, just oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, come on, old fella, you old legend, you know. But him seeing dad, and you know, dad, dad is a legend, but dad feels like, you know, people don't recognize him or remember him a lot of times. <laughs> so I got dad on camera trying to, you know, he's kind of edging his way over to Kobe, but trying to still be sweet. But Kobe sees him right away. What's up, OG? Just gives him love. And for me, it was like, you know, I touched my heart because, you know, just just knowing that the, the respect that Kobe had for the game, man. But, you know, seeing him play against you at UCLA back in the days, coming as like a 17, 18-year-old, 
and knowing you didn't really give a fuck. Like, you know, you, you were punky dudes at the men's gym. That was just, it doesn't matter, Paul Pierce, whoever the fuck's coming through there, you know, I don't care. I'm giving you buckets. I'm going at you. But to see the way Kobe wouldn't back down. And at that moment, and that was always my barometer for Hoopers. Like, if, if Chris can, you know, not not fucking break them their spirits mentally, because I've seen you break a lot of Hooper spirits, guys that, you know, I, I wouldn't think that would get broken mentally like that. And this is a more testament to yourself as well. But when you would go at dudes, because you didn't give a fuck. So when you go at dudes in those situations, you're at you say, like, this is my home campus. I don't give a fuck who you are, dog. I'm trying to give you buckets. And to just have that, you know, it didn't matter who it was to the point where Magic would have to step in. Yo, Chris, <laughs> you have Magic Johnson trying to calm you down. And just people, don't, you know, like these are normal situations that would happen in those, those games. Like, come on, Chris, show you know, man. <laughs> Magic fucking Johnson trying to chill you out. But but to see you trying to really, you know, take Kobe's manhood and really punk him and Kobe not back down as a 17, 18-year-old, for me, is always just a moment where it's like, yo, this dude is the real dude. I don't know how his career is going to pan out, but I know if he can get past that hurdle of doom. Because I didn't see you, you have dudes who thought they were tough as shit and they leave that gym literally about to cry. And, you know, you see, you see the bitch in their heart come out. You know, and it's like, damn, I thought this dude was tough. Like, shit. Hey, but, hey, <laughs> hey, but, 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 but I was even shocked in, them, in that moment, man, when he was looking at me. Because, like you're saying, well, the, the, the situation happened. He had just tip dunked on me and kind of was looking at me. Dad was under the basket and shit. It, this is under the basket. Dad is under. So, Kobe tip dunks on me. I kind of look at Dad. Dad kind of was like, like, you know, get, did the side eye look. And then Kobe was kind of looking behind, like, looking, running back, but looking. I was like, oh, hell no. Nah. So, you know, I just, you know, immaturely, I want to run and fight. I want to do all this stuff. So as I'm running towards Kobe, all I see is Kobe, right? Then all of a sudden, I see Magic kind of slide into the picture, Chris. Hey, man, chill out, my young boy. Like, don't do nothing. So I, I run into Magic, and I'm, like, swinging, trying to get Kobe. So then that kind of happens, and I had a thing against him. Fast forward to my senior year, though, I played in the Magic Johnson Midsummer Nights Classic. Guess who my coach was? Kobe Bryant. So I go in the game. He puts me in. I come in as a sub. Man, I had probably 14 points in eight minutes, dog. Busting. Like three deep threes. You know, dudes trying to guard me. I was just turning the form out. I, it was like a timeout. I'm down at the other end. There was like, you know, I think a free throw or something was happening. All of a sudden, I hear the whistle. He like gave me the whistle. And I look down. It was Kobe. Kobe's looking. He's on the bench, you know, and his coach with his fro, with his suit. He's like, Keep shooting that shit, boy. Keep shooting that shit. I was like, I was like, oh, hey, it was one of the greatest moments. Hey, it was one of the greatest because this is Froby Kobe. So this is like Kobe won a dunk contest and just he had just uh, I think grew it out or just something happened, but he was killer. And he and he was like, man, keep shooting that stuff. That interaction, he showed me love at the All-Star game in 2001. I believe it was in L.A. or four, 2004. It was in L.A. It was a big media scrum. He saw me, made sure to look in the camera. I got the footage, but if you, you, it's like this big scrum. And I'm like next to Steve, I'm next to Stuart Scott and some other dudes kind of hanging over in the scrum. And Kobe made sure to like look at me when he was answering. So he showed me like those type of love, which which also gets comes back to your point about how we, we felt bad about all the years that we were LeBron fans and sort of positioning our arguments and sort of hating on Kobe versus really uplifting the guy. I mean, Joe, I'll be honest with you. There's like years of basketball that I didn't watch of Kobe Bryant that I have to go back and see. So I can be reminded of like the 2000, the year he had all them threes and all them, thir- them 40 point games. I didn't watch none of that, bro. I was like, I'm not watching this. I'm off Kobe. I was mad. He left Shaq and he made Shaq leave. I was so immature. And then to fast forward to the game uh, against Utah, his last game, the 60 P. 
Joe, I literally, I broke down. He hit that last shot, dog, you know, the, the two dribble pull up jumper. And I just like, just start crying, man. Cause it was just like, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was just in a state of awe of shock and of just reverence for like truly one of the greatest to ever pick up a basketball dog. That was the first time I felt old, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but really old, like seeing somebody's whole career through from 17, 18 years old, that dynamics. And to your point, still wasn't really a big Laker fan at that moment, but I was still watch that game and cry because it reminded me so much of the Drew League game, man, from yeah. five years earlier, where it's yeah. like, damn, there's no way he should lose this game. He's going to go out on a fucking sour note. You know, obviously Lakers didn't have a great year that season, but all that shit does not matter. You don't care anything about that. And then obviously delivering the speech after with the Mamba out. And, you know, as a Hooper and as somebody who's building these spaces and done media and shit like that, you know, this is real life, right? No takes. Like, this is like just straight who you are and have to go out there, you know, to give a speech after doing all that shit. But one of the best speeches I think I've ever seen. I mean, this is, you know what I mean? Like, we do yeah. these pods, we'll flub, stumble on words, whatever. This is like real life. There was no, you know, I just had to play a game, bust these dudes' asses the last game I ever played, and now to give this speech so eloquently for Lakers fans just to hold on to. And at that moment, I think everything shifted. It's like, you know, because we would do the thing, we would call him Bryant just to disrespect Lakers fans and get them mad. Everything was Bryant this, Bryant that, instead of calling him Kobe. But also the the level of respect, though. It was never, it's like, you could be a hater, but I mean, you know, I always will have the most tremendous amount of respect for what he was able to do in the basketball court and his leadership and winning the rings. And now to see LeBron following in that footstep, the Mamba mentality, and LeBron coming through and helping carry that tradition, it's like, yeah, we got to shut that shit up. That those conversations are over. I don't really when people are like, where does Kobe going to go debate? Kobe's kind of on his own thing right now. He's not. We yeah. don't. We don't yeah. discuss like, yeah, whatever you're feeling, whatever. Like he he did whatever he needed to do. Twenty years in L.A., you know, more than happy calling him a goat. Like that's yep. fucking you know what it is like you know to see yep. to, to be able to to stand by that franchise and I had this vision man of him and LeBron when LeBron first came like Kobe could just come back play fourth quarters Kobe just pull up at like <laughs> halftime get get you get your sweat in but we need you third fourth quarter play about get twelve to fifteen minutes come drop ten you know ten and four whatever but you know it would have been fucking tremendous just to have that that level of support you see it now with a lot of these old guys that are. They're on the Lakers squad, but, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, un- unable to happen. But just, just some kind of in the back of my head was like, you know, as a LeBron fan, I would love to see. But I would oh, say man. that they'd be like, oh, man, you, oh, how much help LeBron need? It's like, bro, I just want to see <laughs> two elite level dudes hoop together. What the fuck are you talking about? Those same oh, people have no problem with the Nets or the, the Warriors super teams or any of that shit. But, of course, <laughs> LeBron needs help. Oh, man, that would have been amazing. Joe, Joe, man, we appreciate you, man. Uh, we've been going about an hour and ten minutes, brother. I, I think. We're going to shut it down here, man. Thank you for your time today, bro. We are looking forward to everything that you got going uh, for the rest of this year, next year, and beyond. October 29th, Colin in black and white on Netflix. Josiah Johnson, writer, producer, executive produced by Ava DuVernay and Colin and Michael Starberry and that whole crew and, and everybody over there. Josiah Johnson, thank you so much, Joe, for showing up today. Appreciate you. I look forward to doing more of this. Yeah, we just need to go ahead and get this shit cracking because, you know, yeah. we be veering off topic and shit, and just, but that's the game. But the topics be nice. The veers that's be it. nice. I think we on to something, bro. I think we on to something, dog. Give us our bags. Until the next time, this is KJ Live, King Josiah Johnson. We out.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.